To the TKW podcast, folks. We're your hosts. I'm Anthony Corbo. And I'm Kyle Maggio. And we, I think the last time that we spoke, it was, well, the last time we did a podcast show was at the trade deadline. Yep. So it's been a little bit now. Things have kind of settled since then. What's, what's going on? What are you picking up on across the league since the trade deadline? Uh, across the league, I, I'm... Yeah, let's start broad. Let's see. Let's see some. Oh, actually, I got one. Let me let me start up real quick. Um, I just got the notification like as we were setting this up that um, after playing two minutes in his Cleveland Cavalier <laughs> career, Andrew Bogut will miss the remainder of the season and the postseason with a fractured tibula. Yeah, yeah, tibia. that yeah, that was a uh, wildly unfortunate. But uh... my God. Thank God, though, right? Like, Cleveland did not need Bogut and Williams, like, at the pickup off, like, the waivers. And it would they just would have been too good. It was unfair. I was ready to write off the rest of the East. But, you know, one, one injury like that, take away a little bit of depth, and you can get, uh, you can get, you know, Toronto back into the conversation when Lowry's back. You can get Boston back in there. So, yeah, maybe. I don't know. This might, this might hurt them a little bit, at least. Yeah, you know, I found it, this is actually an interesting uh, topic that I guess we don't really get the opportunity to talk about too often because we're the Knicks and uh, good opportunities don't really bounce in our favor here. But um, how I read some people are not very uh, pleased with the buyout system as is because. Oh, I'm uh, the same way. I hate it. Yeah. And I was reading some people wanted to to kind of fix it in in a sense where it's. uh, sort of waiver wire-esque in terms of i think not waiver wire-esque but like a like a bid system almost where like uh winning teams like the cavaliers can't just scoop in and pick up guys for free and i thought that was a pretty interesting take because uh you know you get this where yeah the trade deadline passes but darren williams is is still a productive player he might not be darren williams of old but he's certainly productive because there becomes a certain like point in time with like a veteran player where they become pretty much untradeable, um, but their like their contracts and everything like that makes them harder to trade, and their value isn't quite at the premium that people would give them things for it. But they're just you know they're just cheap enough to be able to be waived or like on a one year deal and not really. It happens every year, right? There's players that every this year. happens to every single year, and Cleveland's and- usually the team to scoop them up. It was you know Channing Fry last year. Um, you know, a couple other guys, and then you got Williams and you got Bogut this year. And yeah, it's just, it's when we're trying to see, it seems like they're trying to put some balance back into the league. The league is getting a little bit better. You know, it's not just Golden State and Cleveland anymore. Uh, you know, we're starting to get on the rise where we can balance the talent out, and moves like this kind of like bring it back to the just the powerhouse, you know, dominant teams. Yeah. And I mean, even Golden State, I mean, they didn't really make a, a bigger splash, I guess the way the Cavaliers did, because the Cavaliers picked up two guys who, you know, Bogut, even in his diminished state here, was 
uh, still a pretty viable rim protector. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just spoke about Williams, but uh, the Warriors picked up Matt Barnes, too, who kind of the same thing. Like, that's still good for depth purposes. And, you know, they're shallow as is right now. And, and that was another kind of like sneaky good pickup because I think they picked right. up Calderon before that just to let him get his money. Yeah, I read that there. I think it was um, they picked up Calderon, and then did they did they pick up anyone else? I feel like there's somebody else that they were promising money to, or something like that. I I think they picked up Calderon because they wanted him initially, but then when Barnes popped up, yeah, it was Barnes. They were gonna they were gonna back out, but they still told Calderon that they'll or you know they'll pick him up so he can at least get uh, his guaranteed money from it before waving right move. Yeah, yeah, and then they picked up Barnes, and uh, you know now Barnes is there. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would like to see something get done for the buyout markets, just because you know Cleveland isn't gonna have any shortage of, and same for Golden State, and same for a lot of these contenders. They're not gonna have any troubles getting guys, you know, at the vet minimum in free agency or on one year deals. They'll right. never have an issue. You right. know, I that's I kind of feel like there should be like. You know, along with the max salary that players can receive, like not just a veteran's minimum salary, but like if you get bought out in the middle of the season, then like you can only make, you know, a certain amount. You can only make like this much of a percentage less of the contract you were just bought out of. So like you can't be released from like a twenty million dollar deal and go sign like a minimum somewhere. You know, if you're it, it, like there, it's some kind of way to restore some kind of balance where it can't just be Cleveland swooping in and grabbing all these guys left and right. Yeah, I mean, the only counterpoint I read towards it was, um, while it's a little bit unfair in terms of the way the balance is for the teams, if you do play around with it, does that mean you're going to end up restricting player freedom to choose where they want to go to? And, you know, in pretty much since 2010 with LeBron's decision, the narratives kind of changed where we want guys to be able to go where they want to go and make decisions they want to make. And that would sort of, I guess, go opposite of that. But I think that there's a happy medium to be found somewhere. There definitely is. I mean, you know, neither of us are going to come up with the answer right here. I think that it's some that's not going to be addressed for, like, probably a few years. And it depends on how many powerhouses, like, come out after the Cleveland Golden State area, you know, era ends. If it's going to be, if it becomes more of a, you know, widened league again, where we have a couple of different people fighting for the finals, or if it becomes the same situation with another team, Maybe the New York Knicks becoming the the next East powerhouse and like scooping up guys at the buyout market every year. But, you know, whatever it is, we will just have to wait and see how it plays out. It could just be a weird period in time right now. It's true. I mean, the, uh, in other league news, um, I'm a little bit surprised that, I mean, maybe I shouldn't be because these things always take time, whether it's the heat or... Uh, the Warriors, or whenever you, you try to mash a couple of superstars together. But I was surprised that uh, the boogie-brow marriage here hasn't really taken off. I'm not surprised, really. I just thought, normally, I, I don't think I'd be surprised, because normally we talk about, like, ball-dominant guys, but, like, these two are also really, they're, they're sort of exceptional passers and good, you know, for ball movement in the post. And I figured that, yeah, it's a little bit funky, because it's a... a two center lineup where everybody nowadays wants to play smaller and there's two guard sets. But um, I don't know. I I just, I I figured that they'd be more mediocre than bad. But I guess. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's a good point there. Maybe they'll grow into that. It's like kind of like you looking at their starting point, you know, they're not going to be everything they can be right now. 
So you're hoping that they're going to be mediocre now and turn into like some kind of really good dynamic down the line. But you just take a look at these guys. I mean, they're, you know, I get it. They're probably both of the, they're probably the two most all around centers in the NBA right now. Two most all around big men who can do it. You know, so that kind of like would speak to their versatility and their ability to work with each other out there. But man, they they got to make some sacrifices. I mean, both of these guys are averaging like what we're at the trade. We're averaging like 27 and like, you know, somewhere between like 11 and 13 rebounds. Like it was stupid. Yeah, that's unsustainable for your your front court can both average 27 and 13. No, like I think they knew that going in, but like they really need to figure out how they're going to work with each other to make their consolations. And, you know, some nights somebody's just going to be a little better than others. And the other nights they got to kind of balance it out. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. I just, I mean, the biggest thing is they're so thin. I mean, outside of those two and then Giroux, that I mean, and Etwan Moore, who's probably sneaky good, probably a little better than we uh, peg him at. Um, I'll, I'll give him credit. He, I picked him up on my team for a little bit earlier this year. He, yeah, he yeah he's 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 solid. He's solid. He's he's a good. He's a very good like sixth or seventh man. So I guess I, I just I'm surprised he's not playing more or playing better so far, but. I guess everybody's still got to feel each other out. I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to run soon because I just think that's going to have to balance out. But yeah, Who I'm just surprised that, that they. It's, it's Monty Yunus. Uh, I know Dante Cunningham. Uh, Solomon Hill. Ugh, Solomon Hill. What's that? Ashik is still buried in there somewhere. Uh, they got, uh, what's his name, that the Rockets were having issues with all year to start the year? Um, Terrence? No, no, Terrence is gone. Monte, uh, how Monte do you pronounce Eunice. Monte Yunus, that's how you yeah, announce yeah, it? Yeah, Monte Yunus. They have him, they picked him yeah. up. But um, I don't know. It's a weird yeah. team. Whatever. So, all right, so here's it. Let's get, let's redirect right here. We'll go back to the Knicks. Um, now that the, because I was going to ask you this anyway, now that the boogie brow thing is getting off to a little bit of a slower start and there's not that many games left in the season, I don't really know what their schedule looks like, but not a whole lot of games left. Is there a chance that Drew is leaving there now? Is there a bigger chance than there was a couple of weeks ago? Oh, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm almost of the opposite mind. I, I thought if they struggled to make the playoffs once everybody was healthy and they still had like Tyreek and yeah, I thought they had a pretty solid team nothing crazy I, I thought you know the team was young enough i thought maybe he'd resign to grow with brow a little bit mm-hmm. um but i still figured you know oh well if a good opportunity presents itself like you know the knicks have a solid roster for the most part with young guys and mellow and i thought maybe they'd be appealing enough even if they kept his brother you know but um i almost think having boogie and no one else kind of strengthens his case because that's sort of where we're at and the NBA is, is having like two or three stars, superstars, and then just a bunch of fillers around, and right. you just kind of make it work on short deals to see who could mm-hmm. fill it in. I almost think that they might go that direction. I think, they, I mean, it depends also on if they're going to throw money at Boogie here and how much money they're going to throw at him because they got to resign them both. Right. Um, well, they don't have to resign Boogie this season, they got to resign him next season. I thought his deal was up this year. No, no it's, he's uh, he's got one more after this. Oh, okay. Then I lied. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I almost think it strengthens the case for New Orleans. I mean, why would you want to leave those two guys when they have a whole other year to try to this next offseason to try to fill it out and make it work, you know? 
Well, my my whole like counter to that would be like, okay, so they got a year. Basically, you know, going into this next offseason, Drew is going to be faced with a decision like, you know, I can either sign for, you know, five years here because he's going to fi- sign. I don't, I don't see him doing like a one and one anywhere. I don't think he's quite at that talent level, but he's going to want to try to sign, you know, four or five years near max money at least. Yeah. Um, so he's going to have to, you know, he's got to be the first one to buy in. Like, this is his point to decide whether he really thinks that next year they can make the Boogie Brow thing work. Or that's just a fun thing to say, Boogie Brow. Boogie Brow. Or if he wants, you know, or if there's better options elsewhere. Or if he thinks that he can get on a better timetable somewhere else. That's a whole other big part of it. You know, if he's not quite on their timetable, then I don't know if it really works out for him. Yeah. He's going to have options. He's going to have offers from elsewhere. I don't know. It's just like my feeling is that if he if it stands on you know if it's shaky legs when they're going into the off season here and they don't quite know what the, you know they don't have that momentum bringing them into the off season i think there's a good chance that he might look elsewhere i mean i, I can only hope because I, I really i don't know if i want drew i more than let's say a good a good draft drafted guard here this year but i i'd like him as sort of like the first domino in a sense you know like i'd like to know that we could get him or have him as a safeguard in case because the draft's always a crapshoot you know guys we always like guys in the draft that turn into other things like i mean i was high on okafor in 15 i was high on uh i like terry rosier i liked Mm -hmm. uh you know i i swung and missed on a lot of those guys that i thought would pan out so it's always a crapshoot about how it's gonna translate but drew's still young even with the injuries I, i really well, and you know what? With a lot of these other guys too, especially with like a like a point guard, it takes time. Like the like it's gonna take like it takes a couple of years to some of these guys to get through. Centers yeah. centers are a big project too, which is why I still kind of got some. Everyone from that fifteen class, I still kind of have hope for. Like I'm still fairly Moutier. optimistic about just yeah, even even Moutier. Like I would on a you know low asset trade, I would take him in. But that's that's neither here or there. What I mean is that with Drew, it's like. I would still take him and take like a pretty well-regarded, you know, point guard, like point guard with a draft pick. Cause I, it's just going to take time for that guard to, you know, develop the intricacies of the NBA, like learn how to play on a team like this. You know, they'll probably be more on the Porzingis schedule. And then, you know, Drew, by the time Drew is, you know, three or four years into his contract, uh, I'm, it's, he'll still probably be able to be a contributor and maybe that other point guard is ready to take over. Kind of like what should have happened with Joakim Noah, but has not happened with Joakim Noah. Not even close. Right, right. Eventually, you know, whether it was the case or not, you know, Billy or Chris Doss would be groomed into that next center of the future while Joakim kind of mans the middle for the couple of years that they're probably going to suck for and then becomes a contributor on the let, the back end of that deal. But, good seg- Good segue here. Yeah, because this has been a while since we've been on the pod now a couple of weeks. Yeah, um, in that time, Willie was named starter for the rest of the year. Yeah. So, uh, thoughts on that, and thoughts, uh, or maybe expectations, because going into this, I think when he's not starting, he averages, and there's only six starts on record for the year. He's averaging like six and a half points, six and a half rebounds. But when he starts, he averages pretty much a double double. So. Or in large minutes, he pretty much averages a mm-hmm. double double. So, uh, what are your expectations here? I mean, there's 18 games left. It's it still would be a relatively small sample size for him as a starter. 
but from what we've seen when he gets big minutes, he's been taking some strides. So, well, I kind of want to take that and I want to turn it on like the entirety of the team. Okay. Because since we've been, since we've come out of all-star break, since we've come out of the trade deadline, since the team has kind of like refocused and reshaped and kind of figured out what they want to do for the rest of the season, we have to, you got to look at just what the, you know, what talent development you can do, what's going on with the, with the, uh, with the younger uh, players. You know, the thing with Bailey is like, yeah, I want him to keep on starting. I want him to keep on going. I, there's no part of me that wants any less of Billy Hernan Gomez right now. Um, and you know, I don't really have like expectations as far as he, what he should be doing for the rest of the season or really what any individual player needs to be doing for the rest of the season. It's all about now taking a look at who you really want to hang on to for the next couple of years, who of this young talent group that they have, because they sneakily have a lot of young guys on the roster. You know, who is yeah. going to pan out from there? Who can become a long-term kind of guy and just like try to develop some kind of ways to play well together. You know, the rest of the season is practice, basically, whether or not they're trying to admit to it or not. It's just like, you know, I'm not saying sit Rose. I'm not saying bench Rose. I'm not saying bench Mellow, sit Mellow, anything like that. I'm just saying let the other guys kind of shine a little bit so we can start setting expectations for them at the beginning of next season or in training camp or something like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess a better question then would be in light of how bad Noah was this year and then also in light of how injured he ended up being, which... I, I didn't think it was going to be both things. You know, I, I figured right. he'd be relatively healthy, maybe not so great, but better than he'd been. And he was both the worst thing and oft injured. So I guess the better question here is, is there a reasonable possibility that next year Willie or sorry, Billy remains the starter and Joakim while it would be expensive and also conceding the fact that you made a horrid mistake would be a uh, a bench player to Willie. I say 100%. I say okay. if Billy continues to play well the rest of this uh this season the last 18 games or however many they have left, you know, continues to be a consistent double-double machine and can you know look a little bit better on defense and like just positioning and things like that uh which he has already. But yeah, I I think that Joe Kim has done this. This will be the second time he's done this, right? His last year in Chicago, he was forced to come to um, you know come off the bench. I think they were starting Miritich and Gasol, um, and you know he wasn't happy about it. He didn't react well, and it eventually led to the end of his tenure with the team. But he doesn't have a choice now, right? He's got a couple of years left on his contract. He's got, um, you know, he's got people playing ahead of him on the depth chart now. He's kind of at the point where he's got to accept it, and he might be a little bit more willing to now that's a couple of years down the line. He's starting to look a little bit older, and I think he might be starting to get a grip on his physical limitations. Yeah, and the other thing, too, was I, I think the gap was kind of wider at first because Willie was coming off the bench at the beginning of the year, e even towards the middle of the year at first, and he was just giving you buckets. Buckets and then some good rebound right. games. And but defensively, like it wasn't even that he was weak. There was like glaring weaknesses in terms of like picking up a rotation or a help guy. But this past month, I think February, he played probably his heaviest uh, minutes. I think he was averaging close to 30 and because, you know, starting and also filling in for Noah and everyone mm -hmm. else. But um, he's not just like closed that gap, but he's 
picked up like I mean he's still not great at things but for example he's not really blowing assignments anymore and his positioning uh, I think the the best example was probably uh that Toronto game because he played a lot of minutes and I mean there's that big closeout that he had on surge in the the final two minutes there I, I threw the the gif in on uh the last article I wrote but you know he just kind of impressed me with like just footwork staying with guys and these were like little things at the beginning of the year he was just lost on Mm-hmm. So he's learned so quickly that it's it's almost, you know, how how can you sort of stunt the growth of a guy who's right. learning at that pace? Like, I thought his learning curve was going to be kind of larger. I thought it was going to be, look, he, he's already polished. He's already going to give you 10, 12 points when he gets in already. He's already going to get you between 8 and 12 rebounds when he gets in already. You know, but the defense is always the hardest thing. But then... All those like glaring awful things he was bad at, he's already not glaring and awful at. They're just not great right now. Right. So he's I, I think he's a, yeah, you know, he's... yeah. So I just think I don't, I don't know. I, just, I I can't see a world where you know if they want to be a good team and let's say they they do hit on a couple of good picks this year and you know Phil makes a couple of decent free agent signings. I, I can't see how he wouldn't start. At this current pace, anyway, mm-hmm. you know things could change in this next stretch too. He could play badly, but mm-hmm. at this current progression, I just can't see how he could reasonably start if they're serious about you know even grooming KP to be the five. This seems like a great piece next to him right now. Well, would you? Well, I think I think it's kind of nice that you know Noah is around for the KP develop I mean the uh Hernan Gomez development not just to like you know mentor him or coach him or teach him or whatever but just as like something to keep him you know keep a little fire in him he knows he's got Joakim Noah right behind him on the depth chart like could sneak up at any time if he starts you know not playing as good of defense or whatever ends up going on with him you know there's definitely opportunities for Noah to creep back into being the number one center on the team but that's what Billy needs to use to encourage himself to keep on progressing and keep on, you know, keep his effort level up, which has been tremendous so far this season. Yeah. Uh, would you be surprised if in two years, uh, Billy KP was like the established dominant front court for the Knicks? No. And if he keeps progressing, like I think we all hope he will, I think that's okay. Um, I just hope that, you know, they, they, and, the concern for that is also, you know, you see how how much potential there is for KP to be a five and as the the rim protector. And, you know, he's already an elite rim protector when he's playing down there. So I guess the concern is the more you play him at the four, the more he'll get dragged out to the perimeter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's almost a game of do you want to stunt KP's growth there or do you want to stunt Willie's gro- uh, Billy's growth there? And that's sort of my concern because I think – I think that if you give them enough time to develop, if if you know if you botch the KP thing, and go look, he's a secondary five. We can like uh, stagger the minutes, then that's okay. But I I, I don't know, I don't know. It, yeah. It's confusing because I it's conflicting because I I really I really do think believe in my heart that KP is going to be the five of the future. And at the same time, I think we kind of got a steal here in in Billy, and I'm not so sure how to. Well, I think I think worst case scenario with it is develop him into an asset and he'll be highly tradable in the future, at least, right? Like bottom line, you'll be able to get something for him as long as he gets like on the right kind of contract and yeah. 
he he could be valuable, which is always a good thing for the Knicks. This is true. Uh, I just the the other part of that too is I could think. I think on a non-basketball level, we'd like to keep them together because they're such good friends. And right, it's awesome. It really is super. It, it really cool. is awesome. I mean, they they take the best pictures. They they're the best of friends. That's got to be good for you know team chemistry and morale. And it's like yeah, it's you probably know, help both of their developments. Honestly, like because you know KP is definitely someone who like I think he thrives when he has a you know a friend nearby, someone close to home. Like he had his whole family out here with him last year. Um, I don't know if he still lives with his brothers or not or. Uh, I don't know, but he was living with his brothers for a little while, you know, like now he's got, you know, Billy on the same team as him, you know, get a little, uh, you know, bring him back a little bit. I think it kind of keeps him going. I think it helps him stay comfortable, helps him stay a little, like a little close to home while blowing up and becoming like the freaking face of the franchise. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, what else is going on in the next this week? Uh, did you watch a Golden State game? I caught the end of it. It was uh, I I thought Ron looked pretty good in there. Ron um, looked good. Ron looked couple, good. Yeah, a lot of uh, just just nice passing, good ball movement. I was like, it's funny. I was watching it with a friend of mine, and we were talking th- uh, throughout the game, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, Ron Baker showed some really good things. I'm just not totally sold yet. You know, he's, he's come out of nowhere. I've seen this before. We flirted with this before. Like, there's been guys who have done this before. And every time I would say it, he just makes some beautiful play or some beautiful pass or, you know, knocks down a shot. And I'm just like starting to really, really come around. I don't know if he can do it super consistently or if he can be, you know, counted on to do some, you know, for late game heroics all the time. But he's really starting to win me over. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think my concern is just the consistency. And I was wrong on him to kind of begin the year. So I'm hesitant to to be down on him again, but I, I think he, he's much better than I thought he was. Um, he's much smarter than I thought he was, and I think that's how he's hanging around. And uh, while he's played good, I do worry about you know he's he's very undersized. He's not that fast, and right. he makes up for it with his IQ. But I think those things, if if you tend to play a lot, I, I think people are going to figure you out, and maybe. Um, the consistency won't be there. So I'm not super hopeful uh, about Ron staying consistent, but he has in his opportunities, his limited opportunities, he's largely played well. So it's kind of hard to argue I think his IQ and his, uh, his passing ability, or at least will kind of bail him out a little bit there. I think he, that he makes the right play nine out of 10 times, which yeah, is important. He really does. Like, you know, a lot of times players get figured out because they're trying to do their thing more so than what the defense is allowing for them to do. And I don't really see that being a, too much of a problem with him. Uh, what do you think about Chasson so far? I, I mean, he was great in that Magic game. I had to watch that game the next day because mm-hmm. I, I was holed away in a classroom that night. But uh, um, he looks good. I mean, that's that was sort of what we were all hoping to have for most of the year. And I, I don't know. I still would have preferred, as good as Ron's been in, in his role, I still would have preferred to have had Chasan for the whole season Mm -hmm. to get a better look at him because you know you could we've seen one game flukes before so I don't know I don't know I I'd like I like the idea of that potential being there I I just think he's a good shooter should the two of them both get over 20 minutes a night to end this season yeah to end the season yeah to end the season yeah I'm trying to figure out like what kind of lineup we can make that work with because we got like 
Okay, so we want to give Chasan and Ron like 20 minutes a night off the bench, right? We're obviously going to give, you know, Rose, Lee, um, you know, Porzingis, Anthony, probably Billy 30 minutes a night. At least, you know, 30, uh, Billy might be just under 30, end up for the rest of the season. But we want to give 20 minutes to at least Chasan, Ron, Billy, um, Kuzminskis. Are we, do you think they're going to, is he on a one year deal? I think he's on it. I don't know offhand, but for the lineup, I think a fun lineup that would balance things out while allowing guys to develop um, and kind of compensating for uh, Ron and Chasan's weaknesses would be uh, Chasan at the one, Baker at the two, and then do a little Courtney Lee at the three, Lance at the four, and KP at the five. So let KP roll with the uh, second man unit, so maybe let him play at the five against the opposition's you know, bench guys, but then you still get, you know, Ron and uh, Chasan aren't really the greatest defenders, but having Courtney Lee and Lance kind of compensates for that while letting them, you know, be surrounded by some guys who mm-hmm. can shoot the lights out from the arc too. So you got a lot of shooters in that lineup. You have good rim protection. You have good perimeter uh, D at least on the wings. I-, I think that would be a fun little small ballish lineup to trot out there. I think so. What about uh, Plumlee and Endor? Do we need to? Uh, we think about giving them any run or? Plumley's like, Plumley's like, oh, he's like, a, you got to play him in spurts, kind of thing. Yeah. Like throw him, throw him in for five minutes when everybody's playing like shit. Let him come in, throw some elbows, fuck shit up for a little bit, and then <laughs> get back to the bench. Uh, Endor, I, I'm disappointed with because, I mean, I think the ceiling for him was always like big guy, freak athlete that just hustles a lot and. I just he hasn't really found a real like niche on this team or he just hasn't he, I haven't seen him do any I've seen him in a suit like that's it yeah I, I, yeah I haven't seen anything from him I know a couple guys were high in him I mean we th- this is the problem this is why sometimes you have to like remember that we can't take ourselves too seriously because I know last year was it last year when we cut him from the summer team yeah yeah it was after yeah it was KP's first season. Yeah, I was outraged. I was outraged. I was like, what else would this guy have to do in the summer league to prove that he, he at least deserves a, a spot, an end-of-bench spot? And then he signed with the Mavericks. We were all fake mad online, or at least I was. And, uh, yeah, so then he gets cut, whatever. We get him a, give him another shot this summer. We get him back, and then he really hasn't done shit with it. So this is why maybe uh, we don't take the summer league that seriously. I, I think that's important to remember. Because um, now I'm sitting here and I'm kind of disappointed because I wanted Endor for all of last season and then we get him in. Yeah. yeah. But that's a risky run, right? Yeah, that's true. All right. I'm taking a look at team salaries for next season. So we got Derek Rose as a free agent. We've got Marshall Plumley's got non-guaranteed money. Uh, a lot of non-guaranteed money. Maurice Endor's got a lot of non-guaranteed money. Uh, Justin Holiday's unrestricted. And Sasha's unrestricted, too. Happy birthday, Sasha, by the way, if you're listening. Nope. Sasha Vujicic. I won't um, say it. So any of, these, any of these names sticking out to you, these are all guys who could be gone next year. Do we want to keep any of them? Justin Holiday. Yeah, he's I think that's where my mind is, too. He's been one of the five best players on the team this year. Consistency, he, he's shooting well, he defends well. Uh it's almost a shame that we have Courtney Lee as good as he's been too, because this could have been a really fun year to let Justin just start and and really get his you know 
uh, get a real opportunity here to have a full season. But see, I really like the dynamic between the two of them. I really I like uh, Justin Holiday coming off the bench, and I like Courtney Lee, you know, starting. I think they they mesh pretty well for like two guys who are probably pretty similar at talent level at this point. Um, but do kind of a little bit of different things and a lot of the same things. Like it makes things pretty seamless. I think it adds to that consistency we're constantly looking for. Yeah, I, I just uh, I'm not I'm not too mad about it because Justin plays a lot of minutes off the bench. You mm-hmm. know, he's and he plays at the the two or the three. So I mean, he gets his opportunities and his touches, and largely he's made the most of it. And even if uh, we can't keep him, I think he's kind of proven he's going to be able to stick around somewhere as a sixth or seventh man. Which also makes me happy because for years he was buried on benches. He's 27 years old already, and you know he's been on a handful of teams. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to keep Justin yeah. if possible. Um, I, I just think he's a good piece to have. So Endor, all of these guys are getting paid. All the minimum guys we got right now, the guys making like 543,000, are getting a pretty big jump. Uh, like Marshall Plumley and like Endor would be slated to make like 1.3 million next season. I guess it's because of the CBA or something or a TV deal. I don't know. But yeah, a lot, of, a lot of guys getting pay jumps and I just, yeah, I don't really see enough for Marshall Plumley or Endor to really keep them on next season. I don't know what you would do. No, those are mostly D-League guys. I mean, yeah. they, they've had their little flashes. I mean, at least Plumley has had a, an occasional good game or two, but He's mostly a D League guy. I mean, he's he, he's like your prototypical, uh, your stereotypical, I should say, you know, big man that always has a job kind of thing. Like, if you're a big man, you're in shape, you can run the floor. Like, somebody's gonna sign you. You'll find runs somewhere, even if it's for five minutes a game. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not really worried about that. I I don't think he'd be back with the Knicks, but I think he he's gonna sign another D League deal somewhere else, or he's gonna sign a little minimum deal. So you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. He'll he'll get around somewhere. It's it, sometimes with like those kind of big guys like you're talking about, it's just what team needs you at that moment. Yeah. Um, taking a look at some of these other contracts, I'm actually a little surprised. I forgot that Lance Thomas signed such a long deal. Which makes me very, very happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on through at a fair a pretty affordable rate, you know, it's six to seven million through twenty nineteen and then uh non guaranteed in twenty twenty. Um, so they, uh, that's good for consistency right there. Billy's hanging around for a while at a cheap rate, which I totally didn't realize this contract was this long, but it's, he'll be three years guaranteed and then non-guaranteed in 2020 for pretty cheap. Okay. So that's cool. Um, yeah, it seems like, it seems like we got a, got a couple guys who could really stick around for a while. Courtney Lee's obviously signed through 2020. Joakim Noah is obviously signed through 2020. I, um, I think, I mean, and what, what do we have Courtney Lee for another two years, three years? Courtney Lee is through, Courtney Lee's through 2020. He's making 12, just about 12 million a year through 2020. You know, I, at first I wanted them to try to move Courtney uh, this past trade deadline, but if they're really serious about, you know, you know what you have now and for the most part, you know what you have in Billy, you know, Mello can still play. He's really, after that first like month and a half when he got off to the worst shooting start of his career, Mm-hmm. Um, he's really had a good season since then. I think since Christmas, he's shooting like 45 plus percent. Almost, and I think the month of February, he's shooting like 50 percent. You know, he so he's been he's had a tremendous sort of past couple of months here. So, you know, Melo can still play when he's healthy. And, um, you know, what you have in KP, obviously. And I just think having guys 
you know, like uh, Courtney having guys like Lance for the next three years, I think that's kind of huge if you're looking to be a contender in that time to some degree yep. or looking to be on the upswing because you need those guys who are going to like Courtney. Cor- all Courtney's done has been make the right plays the last couple of months. He's taking advantage right. offensively. He's making good passes. He's playing great D. And, and he, uh, he breaks that when he has to as well. We've seen him be the primary scoring option a couple of times, and he yep. can do it. Yep, and and Lance has been, after a really, really rough start to the year injury-wise, I mean, there was multiple injuries, and uh, he's been tremendous yeah, after he took a little bit of time off to get healthy. And, and even the biggest thing to me with Lance was he was shooting 40% before he even came back from three. He was shooting 40% from three with all those injuries. So, you know, he, he's been good, and he's still relatively young. And I think having, you know, him and Courtney, and, and those are a couple of good fets, you know, along with Melo, to have around these young guys mm-hmm. to, to build in the future. I, I feel like the Knicks, while they're probably far away from being a, a real contender, they have a good balance of They have those early good, pieces, yeah. Yeah, good unselfish vets, you know, to, to place around what is your foundation of Chris Dapps and, and even now if you want to consider it Billy. Sure. Yeah, I think uh, I think I agree with that. Also, by the way, because uh, we were talking about it earlier, Kuzminskis is signed for next year too. So a lot of, lot okay. of depth at that, you know, uh, swingman position. But um, yeah, so all right. With all that being said, all of our evaluations of our players and who's going to be here, who's not... Are we trying to win games or are we trying to lose games right now? I mean, we, as in you and I and hopefully most fans, I think we are hoping that they're trying to lose games. Mm-hmm. But uh, as the the great now Rocket Lou Williams said when he was on the Lakers, nobody's trying to lose games because that means you're just tanking for a good guy to come in and take somebody's job. So... Right. I don't know. I I don't think this team's. We've known this for a while. This is not a very good team. Whether they are trying to win or not, they're gonna lose more often than they win here. So, I mean, I think, I think yeah, they're gonna keep losing. So I think yeah, that means they're gonna keep tanking. Um, okay. So with that being said, let's take a look at the upcoming schedule. Okay. Um, you're they, they're playing against the Bucks tonight. The uh, Jabari Parker less Anetta Kumpo led Bucks. Um, they're playing against the Pistons on Saturday, the Nets on Sunday, uh, the Pacers on Tuesday, and then next Thursday they're playing the Nets again. So their next what five games are very very winnable games, um, and could really make a difference in playoff positioning with like the Bucks and the Pistons and the Pacers. I was gonna uh, say that this is probably this would probably be the stretch that'll define the rest of the year because. This is either going to go one of two ways, and no matter which way it goes, you're going to say, well, this is so Knicks, because they're in the perfect middle ground of not quite the best positioning for tanking and not quite out of the playoff race. Right. So there, there's a definite possibility where they, they reel off four or five in a row here against kind of meh teams, and then all of a sudden you find them in the eighth seed or even close to the seventh seed as you know we kind of gear up towards uh, the end of the year here and that would make us all kind of groan and go well kind of makes sense you know, that, that's such a Knicks thing to do is after a year of underachieving suddenly make a push and then there's the other possibility where the team 
on paper has so much talent and then they drop a couple to the nets or you know that they have a one and four stretch here and you would also look at this and go well that's also Knicks, and hopefully that helps us for the tank so i don't yep. know I kind of feel like this is with like how everyone's talking about when they were first putting the team together and signing all the free agents. They were just like, you know, they're either going to be this or they're either going to be that. And so far, it's honestly held true because like the Knicks are like the embodiment of just being stuck in the middle. Um, so with all that being said, I think my predictions for the week are actually going to be right in the middle. It's going to be three and two. I think uh, they're um, going to I think they're going to lose to the Bucks tonight. I think they'll probably lose to the Pacers, but I think they'll beat the Pistons and the Nets both times. I, th- I think they'll beat the Nets both times. I, I think uh, I'd probably go two and three. I, I think they're yeah. going to just beat the Nets and then probably lose to the rest. I, I just don't. I don't see it with this team. I mean, I, I can't anymore. You know, like they're just they're just <laughs> I can't they're, they're just. I don't know what to make out of them because, I mean, you, you lose a game to the Sixers who don't have Embiid, and, and granted, they've played better as a whole. They're actually a, a competent team for the most part this year, albeit the bad one. But then you go and you play the Warriors, and you play them pretty competitively, pretty good. So I don't really know what to make out of them, except when they play bad teams, they're still not particularly great. So I'm, I'm going to go, you know, two and three here. Okay, and here is here's the big analysis that I've been I've been wondering about the last couple of days. With okay, is it better for them? And let me explain here: Is it better for them to tank for the draft or to play well right now to attract free agents? Because you know, the more that the team plays well and plays as a cohesive unit, a the guys who are sticking around next year are going to come into training camp playing that much better. They're going to have a good summer, you know, to work together with. There's going to be good morale, you know, positive noise going on around it. And I think that translates to making players who just want to win go somewhere like the Knicks when they can see that there is a developing winning culture happening, which you don't get from tanking. Now you'd get a better draft pick, but who knows how long that draft pick's gonna gonna take. So what do you think is better? Should they be trying to build something right now or are they should they honestly be just throwing it in the you know, throwing it in the towel for now? I'm not sure anything besides good young talent is gonna be able to save this franchise right now from signing uh sort of game-changing guys you know i mean we'll always be able to sign you know role players or like a a a courtney lee type starter because we have money you know we have money and you know even if a guy doesn't want to sign with us because the franchise sucks if we're throwing a better option at him contract wise you know he'll probably sign so I, i think to answer your question i think we might as well just tank here because the biggest thing that we really have going for us is KP and, and even Billy, you know. So in the, the next couple of years, this is going to transition away more and more from being what was Carmelo's team to it now being KP's team. Mm. And I think that's sort of the focus going forward. And that's the selling point is you're going to want to sell them on KP and, you know, Billy, if Billy proves to be a sure thing. And, you know, hopefully we can tank a little harder here to finish the year and really get a stud of a guard or at least one of the stud of guards that are in this very, very deep draft class. And I think if you get two, uh, let's say they, they land, you know, knock it out of the park on a guard here in the draft and then you have KP. And I think that 
would be the selling point is like, look, we have really good young talent here. We're finally like rebuilding, even if it took a little while. Look at these guys. You'd want to play with these guys. And I think that would be your selling point because as a franchise, even if you win these next bunch of games, I think, I mean, what's best case scenario? We're eighth, seventh seed. You know, I, I don't, I'm not sure that really changes enough at this juncture, you know? Yeah. I just, uh, yeah, I just wonder, I'm just trying to take a look at the whole thing in larger in a larger view of just the rest of the season or even the draft and looking on it next season beyond it, just what's going to be the most effective way to get this done. But we're not going to know. It's going to be, it's all just going to have to play out and we'll see. And also, what do you think the odds of the Knicks knocking it out of the park at the draft is really going to be? You know, if, if this... Even if they get the positioning that they need. If they can get a top 10 pick, which is certainly in play here, I think I think this is almost like, at least the way they're making it sound, I, I haven't watched enough college ball this year, to be fair. So I, we're going to have to get uh, Brendan on one of these pods soon to talk about the draft. But um, this is supposedly the, a very deep draft, just as deep um, as 2015. And I almost think even if you stumble into a pick, you're going to get something good here is from what I'm making it sound like. And I mean, there's a lot of guards that are supposed to go in the top 10 or 15. Yeah. So I think there's a good chance that they hit it out of the park. I think Fultz is out of, you know, we're not going to get him. He's likely, you know, he's likely going to go top two, mm-hmm. you know, unless, and, and Lonzo Ball, you know, probably top three or four. So you know, but there's a lot of other good guys out there. There's that guy from France who, for the life of me, I can't enunciate his last name because I've only read it. Um, there's, I think, what's his name? Josh Jackson. Is that another one? I think so, but I don't watch enough college really either to know. I, I got We got to do our homework here these next yeah, couple we of weeks. But um, my point is that there's a lot of good guards here, and I think that's what they're going to really be looking to hit in the draft. I think it's going to be guard. Uh, guards followed by best player available who's likely to be a wing guy and i I don't know i I really think that they're gonna just even if it's dumb luck just like kp was i think there there's gonna be something that we hit on because in the 2015 draft the first like 15 picks were like a majority of them have kind of panned out to some degree you know even kaminsky kaminsky sucks and he still plays a pretty sizable role on the hornets And I, you know? even with that whole draft, it's like I was saying at the top of the show, you know, I'm still guys take time, you know, guys take three, four years to really get acclimated to it. It's going to happen. You know, yeah, there's still we still have yet to see what anybody in that draft cl- class is fully capable of. So I, I just think the way they're making it sound is like this year is going to be to guards what 2015 was to bigs, you know, like. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that's the case, and hopefully we can get a guy, you know, even if we get pick 11, we can get a guy, you know, there like uh, the Pacers got Miles Turner in 2015. Right. So I think we're sort of flush with the options in the draft this year, and it's looking more and more likely like we'll fall somewhere between 5 and 10, which would be ideal at this point. So, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll but, see. That's all it is. All right. We got anything else? Uh... No, I mean, just a couple of uh, pieces, you know, uh, if uh, you guys want, go look at Nick just put out uh, a nice piece on Courtney Lee and his development as a playmaker, mm-hmm. how he's developed this season. 
to kind of step up in a role of a very inconsistent team. Um, also check out Ty's piece on Lance yeah, Thomas. Ty's got something coming out. On yep, Lance, the, yeah, yeah, the masked man. So uh, that was a. That was, I said it was right on time because I mean we released that piece and, and Ty, uh, Lance has been exceptional over these last five or six games. So yeah. um, so check that out. That's another really good piece. And and yeah. finally my own uh, shameless plug. I just Ooh, put a thing go. out. Uh, just put a thing out on Billy because uh, you know. This rookie of the the year race is now uh, sort of in limbo because Embiid went down for the year. So I wrote a thing kind of briefly talking about his chances to win the award this year, which are highly unlikely, but how he has a chance to be uh, last last year's draft class, you know, really be the sort of the face of it. You know, he can really prove to be uh, one of the better pieces that came out of a kind of weak draft class. And yeah, uh, yeah, that's kind of it. Right on. Well, uh, also, you guys can just take a look over at the the little light uh, TKW rebranding we're doing here, trying to get a little little flashier. Uh, Kyle, what do you think of your new staff photo? Uh, I like it. I feel like I look like the mayor of several moderately large cities. So I think you might be. I think it, you know, maybe it's a, it's a good look. Uh, I enjoy it very very much. Um, I want to take. Two seconds to publicly shame Trey because he teased us with the rebrand on Twitter, and then uh, he d- he did not he did not rebrand. I think his fans, all of them, were disappointed. Uh, yeah, you know he did. Uh, I think I saw a little Insta plug, which is weird. I haven't seen too many Trey Instagram posts, but whatever. We'll let him be him. You know, you can't get into the mind of Trey Zingas. It's a weird, it's a dark, weird place. But facts. Um. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing. Uh, we got a couple other things planned too. Some big things for the weekend. Um. We've got. Yeah. I think uh, we'll probably just leave it at that. We'll let you. We'll surprise you guys with everything else coming up this week. Fair enough. Sounds good. All right. I'll talk to you later, Kyle. All right. Take it easy. Bye.